um parry talks parry episode talks. episode 20 i think um whether it's episode 20 or not don't shit on me um today's a sick episode because when i first made and started thinking about the podcast someone told me make a list of everyone that you think would have a cool story or everyone that you think has an identity community wise in your scene and i made that list and on that list was the pelvis crew slash pelvis records and it's excellent to have mr pelvis records um trans estate um well, you could call him Ryan as well um, on the show. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And um, there's other Mr. Pelvises too. I'm just one of them. I'll say that you're Mr. Pelvis for records. If okay, that's cool. fair. That. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Firstly, to begin, um, did you cop anything on Bandcamp last week, last Friday with the big wave? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I got uh, that Homeboys release from Lozano and Mr. Ho, which is awesome. Um, I got some random stuff from this guy that used to be called Curtis Vodka. Now he's just called Curtis with a double S. Um, he did stuff in like 2007, 2008, um, and he's kind of resurfaced. Um, he did a cover of uh, Larry Heard, Can You Feel It? which is really cool. And I think it's made a bit more to like whip in a more modern um, setting, a bit more bass. Um, and yeah. Um, and some other bits, I can't really remember. It was really late and I just went on a mad spree. So <laughs> it's a bit like that as well. Cause I like, I was just like, all right, what just the first five posts on my socials about new music can get my money yeah. that's how i thought of it otherwise yeah. i'm going to start thinking really too overwhelming much about it. To, to look at all the um labels and artists you follow and think i've got to get through that in 24 hours and <laughs> i'm gonna buy like, it as well like it's not it's really bad too i think i left it too late and i clicked purchase like after the 24 hours it ended <laughs> we won't talk about that um yeah and that's like the beauty of buying music is it doesn't feel like you're buying anything like in terms of money, it's like, oh, $3 here, $6 here, $12 here. Yeah. And then you check the PayPal receipts and it's just like PayPal, 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 yeah. bank, 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 bank. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just want to end also as well. I'll put my pick in. It's way better than, than buying vinyl. Exactly. Um, yeah, it used to be a lot worse. Um, checking out stuff on Discogs and then you got the shipping and stuff. Yeah, obviously. Adds up. Yeah, I got a vinyl in um, like yesterday and it came like so warped and so bent, like UPS, like mail had just like destroyed it. Like, yeah, I've been being a bit of this on. That's crazy. Yeah, that's oh, a box no, for it. Lately. I don't know what's going on. British Royal Mail, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, it's all warped. So I'm going to put it in the oven later. See, with a couple pieces of glass. On it, yeah. apparently that's the remedy. Skydiver um, in Sydney, in Melbourne, they do a disc flattening service. They've I, I got think, a machine. Oh, that's. It. I think something else do it as well, but um, I'm not sure because of the COVID stuff. But um, mm. back to you. <laughs> um, right now, obviously, there's a fair bit going on. Um, you brought forward a couple of pelvis releases, um, also producing as well, and also being an influencer too. 
Um, so what have you found taking up most of your time during the whole COVID sort of um, chaos? I've been working from home, which is unfortunate. Um, I got uni doing a music degree at Melbourne uni. So doing that as well. So lots of zooming between those two things. Um, and then, um, yeah, we pushed ahead DJ tools three and then me and uh, river Yarra had a split release, which we put out digitally. It's just so much easier to put stuff out digitally, um, and quicker. And we've got a couple of vinyl releases coming up from Australians who were super excited for just got the test pressings behind me there. Um, and, um, Lots of emailing back and forth there with pressing plants and distro and stuff. Um, but yeah, the videos with power tools, that's, that's what I'm always looking forward to doing. Um, so it's super lucky. My uni lect my uni tutor, who's like course director. Um, I was in a zoom call with him and he's like, uh, show me your work so far and we'll chat about it. And I apologized and was like, I don't really have any work. I've just been making these silly Instagram videos and um, I'll show you one if you like. So next thing he's like laughing going, you could submit this as your music folio, like your assessment piece for this semester. So I've been building up these videos and my 16 minute folio will just be 16 of these power tool bangers. <laughs> that is so good. And, um, and like, we'll get to the more comedic note and we'll go back to, we'll go to a serious note. Just want to touch on it. Um, how is it learning? And I don't know your background musically. How is it going to school and learning music compared to say when you were starting out as a producer and that sort of thing? Like how's the, the tertiary education lens of music different to what you saw as before? Um, well, um, you can edit this silence out while I think of an answer. <laughs> um, for me, like it, it's, there's so many roadblocks when producing music, like um, so many times where I'll overwork a track or not know what it's missing or um, just really over, it's really easy to overthink stuff. And I found going to uni was really good to find mentors who were there to give that feedback in the moment and just keep the ball rolling with ideas. And, um, yeah, it was weird. Like I didn't know if I wanted to write pop music, club music. I thought I had to like choose. Um, so yeah, like this degree I'm doing is super sick. It's really well-rounded. There's a lot of music harmony stuff, looking at Bach chorales and really learning like harmony in depth. But then, you'll go to the next class and it would be like an Ableton tune. And then the next one will be like <clears throat> uh, improv class where you get up and just make a goose of yourself, just bashing away on something. Um, so yeah, it's very well-rounded and like um, a lot of what I got out of it is more like creativity and craft um, skills, not so much music specific, but like um, how to, jump on ideas and develop them and know when you finished a piece and when to move on. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, you can really spin out if you're trying to finish tracks and you can't, and you, you don't have um, the knowledge <laughs> exactly, yeah. of, of knowing where to, when to stop. Yeah. 
um, I just wanted to ask that because a lot of people talk about how like having that extra structure and I don't know if you relate to the phrase of like, I feel like the better a song is, is the closer I thought it in my head. And a lot of people talk about that, like being able to copy what's in your head to the, to the Ableton. Or oh, to, yeah. And yeah, I found, find that such an yeah, interesting point. Like that, that intuitive way of doing it. I was probably good at it ages ago. And then after years of, um, not practicing and writing stuff all the time. I kind of, yeah, got overly critical of my own stuff and overthought it. But yeah, like if you find that it's easy to jump in intuitively and just like bang out these ideas and uh, that's something you should keep practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, now a bit of a laugh. I call it backyard techno. I think it's funnier as backyard techno. Backyard. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's funny how, there's obviously the tools reference constantly and I don't know if it's a hobby of yours to be workshopping with like building stuff because I feel like it's always like just randomly sawing wood or something on the socials and that sort of thing. So it's all this like brilliantly, you know, this crazy world has sort of come full circle and now you're making songs out of literal tools. Um, so how did the first one of those even come about? Um, was it just pure meme factor? Um, was it a lot more work than you expected as well? Yeah, it came about from insanity of lockdown. So Clara, my girlfriend who I live with, she's amazing at making stuff and building things. Um, so she's got a lot of tools and we started a project to build a back shed, which we thought was going to be the answer to having a small house, but um, <laughs> it wasn't. So we're moving house now. Anyway, she, um, we were there one day just getting started on some cupboards and um, I'm kind of useless with building stuff. So just started filming everything and <laughs> then was like that hairdryer kind of sounds like um, the, you know, that rave sound on, I think it's an alpha Juno, you know, the classic like prodigy yeah. or, um, and so, yeah, I just ran inside and dumped it all on my computer and made it into a track. Um, and as I've kept working on them, I've realized the shitter, the better in terms of quality. So like just embracing that they are lo-fi and it's a really good constraint stops me over overworking the tracks. Yeah. And I think that from the outside, they look like just, you know, really quick shit posting effectively. But, um, in reality, like if you really think about what's going on, it probably takes heaps of work to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> as they've gone in, have you over, have you underestimated how much work it takes? Cause you're pretty much building full tracks and doing field recording fully. Yeah. Like, um, it's more about the idea, like the, the vacuuming and Centrelink one <laughs> is just like most of the time that went into that is me just staring at the wall, thinking of inspiration, <laughs> like thinking of a good idea and then, yeah, it can be lo-fi and silly, but um, it's kind of like captures what's happening right now and it's super topical. So that one kind of popped off the hardest. Yeah. And um, it's super, it'll be super interesting to look back on everyone's socials now, like all the DJs and artists and seeing that like as a sort of time capsule for what everyone was doing during this time. Yeah. Um, and like, it'll be there forever as well. So you'll see all the mixes everybody was doing all the funny yeah. like zoom ideas and all the backyard techno ideas, that sort of thing that 
people are doing yeah, it. Exactly. It's going to be archived forever and it's super cool. That, that's yeah. what it's going to be. It's weird to think about. Um, I want to keep it rolling though, like the beginning of this story. Keep it going. Um, because obviously the situation might change and yeah, the tracks will, will keep being these. I've just find it a really good constraint, like keeping, keeping it real low fi saves me, um, overworking the tracks in Ableton or whatever. And I want to do like a club release. So I want to put yeah. the tracks, um, out on Bandcamp with like full, like club versions. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Like everything, like, Full five-minute tracks with all the sections and stuff, DJ-friendly versions. Do you think you could... <laughs> is the end goal of this to take it on tour and play club shows fully, <laughs> full field sampled, full That's tool. exactly the idea, yeah. Have a merch stand with power tools and stuff, goggles and earmuffs. <laughs> Imagine buying the vinyl for that. Just <laughs> You just put it on and just, just scraping noises and then before you know it yeah that's brilliant i love that and i'm sort of surprised that no one's tried jigging your idea in terms of higher ups like a big corporate hasn't come and stolen it and put it on an ad campaign so it's still very pure yeah i had some dms like companies wanting me to do a track for them for like an ad yeah uh but i didn't i didn't want to sell out that quick <laughs> why um, did why was doors plus the um oh why why what the one why was doors plus the the, the, it was just an ad that would come in and out of my head. Like I'm sure everyone who grew up watching TV, uh, that ad, that jingle has been around for like 30 years. So um, it was in my head one day and I started <laughs> coming up with that. Um, Cause mashups used to be my thing. I used to, when Ableton kind of first came out um, and girl talk was happening and stuff, I was obsessed with making mashups. So that was kind of that part of my brain firing up again. Um, but yeah, they, they reached out in the DMS too, and, um, they shared my, my track and made me like a branded content partner on Instagram, which I have no idea what I just approved it. Cause I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> no exchange of money or doors has happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> not a single door was harmed in the making. <laughs> um, yeah, that's brilliant. I love, yeah. I think it's just hilarious. Like the first one, when I saw the first one go up, I sent it to like everybody. I was like, this is about to go. Like this is about to go off. And everyone was like, this is the best thing ever. Cause they sound like, and it, I think it's really cool how it plays on the tropes of this, like a classic dance yeah. song and like all the familiar elements of a dance song that when we listen to it in clubs or, you know, big WAV files and that sort of thing, we overthink yeah. it sometimes, but there are so many similar yeah. concepts and so many similar, similar angles in every one of these songs. And to see it yeah. broken down by like a saw cutting through like plywood <laughs> is the most brilliant thing, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, we all used to play real lo-fi MP3s in the club when we started. So I've never really been a purist in terms of like super high production standards. Exactly. I definitely appreciate it. I appreciate it, but yeah, like it's more about the fun and the energy. Exactly. It's more important than like super high quality. Yeah, and I think that it's showing with the even though there is like considerable meme factor with the with the um 
um, the video, sorry, blanked out there randomly um, with the videos. There's a lot of it, like the tracks are cool and they sound cool. And um, it shows that like, especially in our sort of rave scene where it's more about the idea and the energy than it is the, you know, how your kick sounds through four different speaker settings. And yeah. it's a testament to that, I think, which is super cool. Yeah, I think house is house. That's the spirit of house music. I just realised I've had this little thing in my ear for decoration the whole time. It's been coming out of my um, computer. <laughs> I'm gonna. <see. laughs> it still sounds pretty clean. Oh no, I've lost you now. Yeah, I've, I've pressed pause <laughs> and play. <laughs> um, that's a nice little segue, a little break. Um, and I want to talk on gnome knowledge as well, because obviously there's oh, cool. like the meme, but also like transit state is a real project that does tie on a lot of sounds, which I think are really cool coming out of Australia right now. And that, that like nature inspired Australiana electro electronic, like down tempo, but still groovy and like melodic. I don't like, there's a genre of music. I think that a lot of people listening will understand what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah. And Ruby Jarrah is pretty much the absolute king of that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get a bit more knowledge from a pure curiosity stand- standpoint of what the Transit State Project is, um, how it started, because it's obviously you've been producing for a while and mm. hasn't been a lot of output from you, um, but just no. just wanted more intrigue on what that project is and where it's going. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's... Um... It's just a a name for whatever I put out. I don't want to box it in. Like um, I just put out that one with Riviera, and that's tracks that I never thought I'd put out on my first release. It's it's um, like two works that I did for like a soundtrack to a short film and um, a dance piece. That unseen track is made for dancers. Um, which I did last year at the end of end of year for my uni folio. So another one is just like a bedroom kind of demo because I was all I was listening to was city pop, um, and I thought they would all be club tracks for my first release, but they're they're not. So um, it's just a name for whatever I put out at the moment. Yeah. It comes from state transit, if that wasn't obvious. Yeah, spent a I'd... lot of time on the L ninety. To be fair, I, and people can pay me out for this all they want, but I was thinking like, I'll just do like a quick Google because doing a quick Google of any artist, you can find some absolute gems because sometimes the algorithm will push something out from 2014. So I put in transit state and everything was state transit that came up and I'm like, oh no, I've fallen for the bait here because I had no idea it was state transit. And then I thought, hang on, River Yarra. Yarra River. Yeah. Sound like there's a connection here. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just spun me. Like, I was like, oh no, what have I fallen for? <laughs> um, yeah. I've. So, yeah, something. like um, to just elaborate a tiny bit, it was a name that I decided I needed when I started um, working on a live project. So, only done like a handful of shows with that, but um, I liked the challenge of coming up with some kind of live thing where um, I could play in clubs and I was the thing that I feel missing from a lot of live electronic music and club music is the energy that um, that you can get when you're DJing and stuff you can do like you know spin backs and play whatever songs and stuff 
but with live thing, um, you've only got two hands and there's so many things that you could be doing. And it's like, do you want to enjoy it more than them or do you want them to enjoy it more than you? And like, how much work do you want to be doing and how much of it's pre composed and how much of it are you coming up with on the spot? So it's like, I like that challenge. Yeah. And there's so many, um, I really like the conversation of the live set versus the DJ set sometimes. Um, because it's just super in like it's super crazy and like so subjective and like there are some nights that I want to see like a live set and just be able just be able to sit there with my arms crossed and just nod my head and just like witness and watch what someone is doing live because there's a beauty in that. But then there's other times where I'm like, I just want like improv, I want full crazy energy and that sort of thing. Yeah. And finding that blurred line between having both of them at once is I think it'd be super cool. Um, mm. and, and another point and then, that like of, the last show I did, someone came up to me after and was like, cool DJ set. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I was like, sure. I don't know. Confused. I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm just, <laughs> I'm still working on it. Exactly. Um, and also you sort of hinted at, um, like you're not necessarily always listening to club music. Um, so we're talking about the tracks on um, Gnome Knowledge as well, having inspired by one of them. Um, also as well, you said that you could be writing pop music. Uh, you didn't know if you're going to write pop music or club music. Um, mm. What other sort of stuff do you like listening to and how does that influence, say, how you engage with the club record or how you make a dance record? Um, yeah, I love listening to City Pop, which is, um, as you probably know, all the Japanese 80s stuff. Um, and early 90s that came out during their economic bubble so it was all blissful and worry free and kind of naive but they're all listening to um you know like 50s and 60s um rock and roll and pop then so it's, it's like all the you know how the 50s were cool in the 80s yeah and then the 80s were cool now um that sort of thing so yeah just i love listening to city pop which is really over the top saturated overproduced but um yeah it's it's really nice um and that uh that makes me want to learn chords and stuff and then i want to start putting the chords into my music and then all of a sudden i'm making like edm <laughs> so the chords don't really belong in some of the the music that i dj so yeah it's kind of confusing sometimes and that's what this release no knowledge with river yarrow let me put some like more harmonic stuff out um but yeah like um I guess it's also kind of leftovers and of the idea and, and continuing the idea from uh, playing in the band retiree with a few of my friend my good friends so some of the song ideas there on gnome knowledge started back then um, yeah. yeah um and i was gonna ask this at the end but i think just listening to your yarns and the way you talk is there's a lot on your plate constantly like you were in retiree transit state putting out records listening to test presses um making techno with you know tools um how do you balance all that um is there do they all interconnect do you think or is there a beauty in them all being separate sort of even though still facets of the same sort of music industry or dance scene um I don't know. I'd just try and have fun with all of it. 
and it can like you can get you can stress out and stuff but then it's like what's the point of doing any like you've just got to remind yourself to keep it fun um that's a pretty pretty diplomatic answer isn't it so it's true though yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah just do what you vibe pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah um i ran off with that what so you ask me again <laughs> so it's all good no he answered it perfectly he answered it perfectly it's fine um so your debut sort of release was with king rowdy we stand mm. um and pelvis a lot and what i've seen it's a lot about family even though there are say designated members pretty much if you're engaged with pelvis you're also a part of pelvis as a sort of culture um so i just want to know like how did um riviera come a part of the pelvis family um, when did you and him cross paths? Hold on, Perry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry about the break there again, friends. Um, just talking about how um, Riviera became a part of the the pelvis family and crew, and um, why he was perfect for the uh, for the gnome knowledge release with you. Yeah, um, that. I can't even remember what, when we became friends now. I think when I first um, was coming to Melbourne a lot to play, he was just always around. And um, um, he probably has a better, he can probably remember it better than I do. I don't know, there's a cool story there. We just started hanging out in heaps. Um, and because uh, we both like nerding out and and similar music um we just thought oh nick came up with the idea of putting out a split release um so it happened super quick just over facebook chat we organized it and <laughs> got it got it out and elliot uh from pelvis did the artwork um of the 3d gnome um and we're doing remixes of each other's tracks now as well as like a little extended extension of the, the release they'll be out soon yeah and i feel like and obviously talking on the design stuff but even the music as well and the artwork behind the music um and just based off all your guys socials um nature's obviously a big part of like the pelvis brand both musically as well with this ep i think and the artworks and the visual direction too um mm. and from biking as well like <laughs> the kings of the cycle. Um, where do you think that comes from? Or how does nature inspire you musically or creatively um, outside of the direct, yeah. you know, it looks cool. Well, we all surf. We're all really into surfing, even though we don't get as much time to do it anymore. Um, especially because I live in Melbourne and you know, everyone's got, everyone's grown up. But um, yeah, we grew up surfing in Sydney, um, in Avalon all of us who do pelvis. So we were just um, all about going down the coast, getting a cheap Airbnb and going down searching for waves. So just like our favorite thing was getting up before the sunrise and going, going to catch some waves. So that's been a huge influence, just um, sitting in the ocean, waiting for waves and walking through bush tracks to get to the beach and stuff. I guess yeah. that's where it comes from. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was, that's definitely my, still my favourite thing to do. Just don't do it as much anymore. Sadly. Yeah. It's 
Yeah, and I think like I don't know why, but that culture, like that meditative nature culture, is so ingrained in so much of Sydney underground dance for some reason, or like yeah. Australian underground dance, and like yeah. everybody universally just likes going on hikes and um, likes riding yeah. their bikes. It's so it's weird, but it's it's there's got to be some philosophical like like Venn diagram in terms True. of going to a club and going for a walk or going for a surf and swim. Because I think everyone I've like spoken a PhD to. PhD in that. Because, yeah, how it's, it's really common to hear tracks that have, like, um, ambient soundscapes in it. Australian birds and stuff are all pretty unique. There's a lot of cool sounds out there in Australia that are unique to put in music. But I never get sick of it, like, as much as you hear a track start with that, like, mm-hmm. um, Australian rainforest sounds or something, or frogs and birds. It's still fresh. Yeah, and I think Rivia can probably talk more on it. We have an obsession with frogs too, for some reason, and yeah, like I love frogs. And when I, we did the Parry Talks T-shirts, um, the first set, I don't know if you caught them. It was just Parry Talks with like a cute little frog. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it. yeah, and yeah. I think that's just an extra element of that. Like whether we know it or not, or whether we're doing it for a laugh or not, there's something intrinsic there. I think between like the, yeah. how Australian environment influences, you know, our dance culture, which is super cool. It's sick. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but it's definitely an Australian thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like our think, answer to like the industrial of Europe. It's like, no, we have, <laughs> we have nice beaches. and. Well, yeah, we're very lucky, yeah. yeah. Super nice nature around us. Um, yeah, and we've already hinted at it now. Pelvis isn't just like a record label or a fashion line um what do you think the pillars of pelvis are like whether it's like practical in terms of fashion music events or like maybe even more conceptual philosophical as just a way to sum it up as best as you can yeah it's always been hard to sum up what pelvis <laughs> is um can say though that it's ch- it's changed and changing still like uh, it started as an idea for a party and then it became the party. But then the music and the clothes kind of came from that. And then the party would be where all of it came together, people wearing pelvis and um, us playing pelvis music or DJing and then making this space that was pelvis, um, transforming Good God into something weird. Um, and now the energy is kind of carried into the internet like now the Instagram and even the Bandcamp and the website are like where the energy, where the output is, the platform for it. But yeah, it's, it's impossible to, yeah. it's just us, like all five of us in um, combination, just putting out what we want to, what we want to do. Yeah. And I think that, and it's something that definitely I've taken on from the brand. And I think a lot of people coming up now, um, in Sydney, especially because uh, just put up from my knowledge um, and you've done it there as well. You like a lot of people aren't putting labels on what their music companies are. So mm. I don't think I'll ever call Parry Talks a media organization because I do have ideas <laughs> for VAs. I have ideas for yeah. um, events as well and that sort of thing. And a lot of people are scared to say, Oh, we're a party. We're a booking agent or we're this and we're that because totally. there's so much more that can be found through it. And, um, 
and yeah. com- like the community organization is like the new buzzword i think because um that's what people are focused on and that's a good thing for our culture anyway yeah. i think yeah yeah you don't want to you don't want to trap yourself um you kind of think of it like you're creating like a like your brand is like it has its own excuse me has its own culture like yeah exactly it's kind of the most important thing is to have your own like um culture and values and stuff i don't know i yeah. don't study business <laughs> <laughs> um i actually am anyway <laughs> um yeah so let's go back like the first idea for pelvis was a party um what was that party what was the first party like um how was it putting that together? yeah i was hoping you'd ask um the vision started i was living in melbourne with nick and three other guys were up in sydney <clears throat> and so in our group chat we would just talk about whatever parties we were going to and um we just had a lot of ideas we wanted to see a lot of clubs we went to they might have had parties run by one or two people that didn't have the hands to make it whatever their full vision might have been so we really wanted to transform the club um like my first clubbing experience was going to bang gang at club 77 which was like incredible that was around 2005 um and they would change the whole club um as well as play amazing music so we just wanted to do something like that where you'd enter the room and ideally we'd like build a club from scratch and have investors and stuff like we had to um come to a compromise but we got so lucky we were we ended up doing it at good god because jimmy and hana who ran good god um which was on liverpool street uh, in chinatown they um they offered the club and at first we were like oh there's other parties there it'll you know we we want to have a totally unique space to, to run well, to run our mm. party but then um we realized how accommodating jimmy and hana were for us to change the whole venue uh we just went crazy with the tarp and basically realized we could make um we could force everyone onto the dance floor just using tarp and hanging that up um so we'd kind of box in the dance floor a bit more so it felt more cozy and people would be less conscious self-conscious when dancing and stuff and the smoke machines are easy way to um to you know make it more comfortable as well so the first um the first few we musically we played a lot of Italo disco and like tracks record stuff a lot of old stuff because me and nick were going to bamboo music um in melbourne at the mercat a lot in like 2010 so um that was a great party bell tower um uh bell towers and uh, misha and pam ran that together and yeah. i only went to a couple but yeah it was an amazing party and the music was really really good so we we just went ham with tarp and figured it out as we went and we were lucky to have five of us doing it yeah um, so we had the we had the we had enough hands to to get it all done in the change over time after bands finished at 10 we'd get in and yeah. open at 11 and people would start turning up at like 11:30 and 12 and it went to like 3 or 4 um then the lockouts happened but can talk about that later if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I um, really want to talk about it. Let's let's stick to the glory period. We'll say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um and like I say this to people and people gasp and people, you know, look down upon me. But I never went to Good God. I'd never been because it oh, was wow. closed before I turned eighteen. Um, yeah. So like I hear so many legacy tales about yeah. 
you know, and Andy said that every Friday she'd finish radio at FBI and she'd go there with Johnny Liu every single week just because like, yeah. that's what it was. And like, she didn't even have to drink. She didn't have to do anything. She'd just go and watch and like, just get absorb in the culture. Yeah. It was amazing. And it was so good. The people and the music were always sick. Yeah. And, and they built that, like it was a, like a Spanish, like dancing club before that. I think it was called, La Campania. Um, and then they took it over and just completely gutted it and redid the whole place. It was such a special thing. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I can't believe I missed it, but it's, it's crazy to think that I came up in like the DIY, like the renegade sort of thing where I've probably been to more warehouse parties and open air car park parties than I have club nights, which is weird mm. to think about. And like now that's influenced my taste and that sort of thing is super intricate too. Um, But back to that, I think that that period of time was probably so, there's probably a lot of learning involved, like for you, I don't know, from every club night I'm involved in, like every time you throw a club night, you know, to do something better the next time. Um, Mm. So I just want to know like, what was like the, the craziest sort of idea or concept or theme that you did throw a good God? And like just the story of that night, like, cause I heard stories about an underwater party that I think went off. Yeah. There was a few really good ones. We did cars was really cool. Um, we had um, like the back of the car was the DJ booth. Um, and there was like an exhaust pipe, which we shoved the smoke machine down. So I had like on a CDJ burnout sound. So every now and then I'd be like, and the exhaust pipe would pump the smoke out. Um, we did, um, we wanted to do dogs, but um, never got around to it. A couple of other really good ones were the underwater party. We did it twice. It was so good. Um, where we had like fishnet um, on the ceiling with a lot of like uh, underwater toys in there and beach balls and blow up dolphins and stuff. And we would do, along with the theme, we would do sound effects because we hardly use the CDJs. We kind of restricted ourselves to playing records, which isn't a shouldn't be a selling point of any party i don't reckon you know vinyl only but um a lot of the music we played we could only really find it on vinyl so the cdjs were pretty unused so we'd just load up sound effects on that and use um underwater party was dolphin sounds and bubbles and um we did a fashion tv theme do you know that yeah cable channel ftv so we put up posters and everything and we got contacted by some vodka companies to sponsor it. So we just said yes, because they thought it was a legit fashion yeah. TV party. <laughs> and then they pulled the sponsorship the day of, because they realized it was just a piss take. Um, another one, we did a Halloween party, which was cool. Um, I made like a little bedroom scene in the corner. It was kind of like an art installation that had like bedside table. We would just go ham at Vinny's and bring as much as we could into the club. And um, a bed that look it kind of looked like um, like a gruesome horror movie scene, and someone got hold of the pillow and um, exploded it, and there was oh, no. feathers all through the club. So I think Jimmy was pretty annoyed at me that night. Um, and egg was another great theme, just egg. <laughs> just we had like a huge egg. I should have had photos ready for it, but it was like uh, a timber, a plywood egg 
with just the face hole in it. And so everyone was just getting photos of their face through the egg. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think I've ever been to a proper themed party. We've, you've got to bring them back for the Well, for yeah, the we didn't start them themed. We, we didn't want it to... Um, we didn't want the theme idea to take over. We just wanted Pelvis to be to have a strong um, uh, experience that wasn't themed. Like we just, I think the the tarp, the grunt. If you mm. go to Barnings, you find grunt. That's the Pelvis signature um, theme. Is grunt <laughs> just hanging exactly. up tarp. Um. So, did the fashion stuff come in just as a consequence because of what your friends are into, or was there like a deeper strategy to it, or was it just by coincidence that um, they wanted to do that and Pelvis was already up and running and it felt right for the, for the brand and that's sort of Yeah, thing. exactly it. Um, Nick and Elliot and Felix have always been particularly into, into that. So um, we, after the first party or two, Nick just whipped up a t-shirt and we put it on um, up for sale. And yeah, it just went from there. They just were like, oh, cool, we'll do these different variations and then more prints and then not just t-shirts anymore. Um, yeah, it's just like the whole pelvis is just a platform for us to put out what we love yeah. doing. So That's yeah, cool. the, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just kept going with lucky and they're very, very good at what they do. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's brilliant because it's still like that the initial essence in those sort of initial club nights from my more recent um, engagement with the pelvis sort of brand and the pelvis parties as well um it's still there like their unique experience like when a lot of times you'll be like like you ask your friends like where are you going tonight and you name the dj you're seeing but the pelvis parties i've been to people be like where are you going tonight it's like oh, i'm going to a pelvis party and it's like that's the identifier yeah rather than it being yeah. like, oh, this and that's playing, or I'm going to free this to see Body Promise. It's like, I'm going to the pelvis party yeah. to see. Yeah, we didn't do that. Libra. That was just, um, that happened naturally because we didn't want to put ourselves um, as the selling point, like as the as the, the talent or like, yeah. we didn't want to make it about us. We didn't, we didn't want people to rock up and feel like they had to watch us play. We wanted people to turn up and, um, know that there was going to be good music and, and good people, but not have to stand there and face the booth. And because then yeah. the next step is people come and hang in the booth because it becomes this whole scene, like this whole VIP booth cronies, yeah. um, which is fine too. But um, yeah, we didn't, we would like go to so much effort to obscure ourselves. We had the whole booth shrouded in like army camo material or um, like, butcher strips of the plastic, whatever we can yeah. find to, to make it very obvious that you weren't supposed to watch us. Yeah. Um, and I think, which and kind of also, sorry, it also became okay. kind of, it also semi backfired. It meant that what we did didn't really translate well if we got booked at other parties. So we'd get booked at other events and stuff, but it was kind of like, well, do we call it pelvis or is that the party? And then mm. it's also been a really good thing because it's like everything is just like pelvis records pelvis yeah. clothing yeah and so, yeah. i think that a good thing about the pelvis brand is there's a lot of anonymity to it so like a lot of people even a lot of people be really heavily engaged in pelvis and won't and will go see pelvis djs and have no idea that they're seeing pelvis djs if that makes sense or if they saw you know you guys hanging around the club before 
or during the club night, even though they know and they probably buy every T-shirt and bought every record. There's not, it's not necessarily like they wouldn't necessarily know who you are or mm. who the crew is. And I think that that's a testament to that sort of thing where it's not about you guys. It's about the party and the community as well. Yeah. Cause you sort of see the same yeah. faces at every pelvis party anyway. And it's like, Oh, yeah. the same scenes as well. And like, yeah. And I think there's a beauty in that. So it's more about the community and knowing like yeah. that you're going to get a certain energy, a certain community, a certain crowd rather than being like, I want to see Ryan Powderly and Nick Mez DJ from 10 to 11. It's not that. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, and exactly. there's still that essence as well in the parties now. Um, which like most recently as well, the Luca Lozano, Mr. Ho at the Lansdowne was like so much fun and super intimate and, like I couldn't even like, I, I could, I like had no idea who you people, who you guys were before that and during that. And then my mate was just like, Oh, that's who does it. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, it's cool that that's how it, how it sort of, that's the business model. It's just like we're pelvis, everything's pelvis. Cause yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's an experience. Exactly. Um, yeah, and back on it's that relates directly to like the whole community model and that sort of thing too. Um, yeah. And I want to talk about it now as well, because um, how did releasing records sort of start? Because it obviously wasn't the first um, idea for what Pelvis was. And that first release is so iconic as Dance Freak. Just that dun, dun, oh, yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think is the most, some of the most iconic stuff ever. So just talk through like building that and like making that track. And just like... Have you and, seen the film like, clip? Yeah, of course. And just like leaning yeah. into the world of like vinyl and distribution and records and stuff yeah um it was always an, an idea like i wanted to make club music since i first went out but um it took me a while to get there like <laughs> um dance free kind of and for me it's like just in a record it's like all of our sydney parties and all the people that were there and all the music we played in just one record and the kind of other artists who we were um, getting along with at the time, like Nazaki, Morgrab, DJ House. Um, it actually took me so long to finish that track um, and still keep it like it sounded like it was made up on the spot. Yeah. But yeah, like it just had a few records we were playing in every party, like Mike Dunn, um, this Mike Dunn uh, remix of Armando was a huge influence for the sound of the drums. Um, I forget what the track's called. Uh, Mike's Dunn, Get It Done mix or something. Um, Armando might be like 231 or something. Anyway, um, yeah, just like early Chicago house and then that classic like Dune. Dun, 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 dun. that Korg it's the Korg M1 classic 90s sound um, like the show me love patch yeah um, and yeah then the video clip was just all the handheld camera footage from the parties mashed together um, but yeah it it took a lot longer than it sounds like it might have took me like a year to finish that um, yeah that's so cool and then the, the DJ Nazaki remix which is wild um he was like, oh, I haven't, I would chase him up. Like, have you finished it? How's it going? And he's like, I'm waiting for this one Yamaha keyboard, this sampling keyboard to come up on, on Yahoo auctions. It took him like six months to get hold of one. And then 
turned over the remix in like 24 hours. Um, it's a nuts remix. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like, and I think if you drop that at any party, even now, there's like an identity with that song. That's just like, this is just, and everyone knows it as well. It's that one Powers track that like everyone just froths. <laughs> and I have so many people from the outside, like not necessarily in, you know, a circle or go out a lot, but they'll still run that track and they'll be like, who is Pelvis? Like what's Pelvis? I'm like, oh, it's, it's too long a story. Not even I know. And that sort of thing. Um, and not even I know. Yeah. Now I do. <laughs> um, I think that's something super interesting as well is like you were working a lot of just like innovation and ideas and like whatever sort of idea came to your head, you just tried to execute it. Um, mm. Obviously there is probably a bit more planning and strategy now, but is that still at the essence of what pelvis is? Do you think now in terms of your strategy, just evolving and innovating with ideas? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just whatever, whatever ideas we get it'd be great to have more parties but um a couple of the guys live in new york and one in sydney and two of us in melbourne so um it's rare that we're all together really the group chat is where it all um lives lives at the moment but yeah like we're gonna do more parties and um more records and more clothes it's the way forward at the moment (laughs) yeah Sick. Yeah, um, no. um, let's just talk about you brought for um, tools three as well, um, almost because of COVID, but to support the artists as well. I just want you to like talk through that decision as well, um, bringing the compilation forward digitally, and just yeah, like what, why you did that. Well, really. it's pretty. It's as simple as like the vinyl process is so lengthy, mm-hmm. and um, especially when you're in Australia, being in a different time zone to Europe, where everything is getting made you wake up and you've got an email and then you write back and then you won't get a response till it's like a 24 hour Mm. turnaround between emails and then especially when the process takes like three months between making the order um, and getting the stock out it's really lengthy so yeah when we were all found ourselves in lockdown and we had a few records lined up we were just like why don't we just put this out now like it's it's we need to get get that coin to the artists who have been so patient because it's like yeah you get releases backed up and then it's like the three-month process but that's on top of like the artists getting you the tracks in the first place as well and then fitting into the release schedule so it can sometimes be like a year or two until stuff's released which sucks for the artist um yeah so digital release is a way quicker and more exciting and get the we got the artists the the takings from that asap yeah and i just want to talk about more like your style and building vas um when you're look when you're when you make the decision right we're going to start building the next tools or whatever sort of project you're doing um like what's the process of that in terms of finding the artists you want on it is it just using your personal relationships do you like keeping it in-house and personal or do you just dig and you know, pick anything really that you're vibe. Yeah. What's the process there for you? Yeah, when we started, when we started at um, Pelvis Records, we just decided it's going to be a label for us to put our friends' music out on. Mm. So we still stick to that. We don't um, often reach out and cold call artists and be like, "Love your stuff, send us anything." It does happen sometimes, but 
mostly it's just like we'll have chats going on um email or facebook chat or instagram chat yeah and then it's like oh yeah cool by the way send us any tracks um so yeah it's it's just like music that our friends make that we think should be released yeah our our guiding um (laughs) idea it's beautiful um post COVID 19 oh we've already sort of hinted at it but and you've got some eps and records coming as well um where do you see the pelvis project going um is there a certain facet or pillar that you want to aim to improve innovate highlight streamline you name it really what do you think the focus is going to be going forward um lots of lots more releases hope i'm hoping a lot more a lot of vinyl um come like makes a comeback after the this stage three at the moment like i'm hoping that once things ease or whatever we move into vinyl will be um Um, vinyl will have a place and have a bit of a, a comeback so on top of that, I'm also hoping to put out a lot more digital stuff because it's just quicker and easier and um, more um, suited to yeah. 2020. Um, but yeah, lots more music, um, lots more stuff from me as well, Transit State. Um, I want to do like, I've got some ideas for um, the kind of parties I'd want to do, but I don't know how parties will look going yeah. into the future. We'll see. Have to respond to to that reality, um, and obviously more clothes and stuff. I don't know. I'd love to go to New York. Nice. <laughs> in three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a long time. Yeah. Um, that was. I don't even know how long we we're speaking for there. That was we've been speaking for because I just felt I got lost there for a second. Um, to sort of wrap it all up. And I ask these two questions to everybody I have on. Um, I just want you to shout out your favorite mix, like whether it's a boiler room, uh, you name it, just drop us with a must listen to mix, a goat of yours. Um, other guys would be able to answer this better than I could. They're all about mixes. I still listen to the same mixes I was listening to years ago. So uh, Daniele Baldelli, Zanzibar mix, if you can find it, is something that really got me excited um, about doing a party. That's like a, a really good mix of cosmic kind of music. So all sorts of weird stuff in there. Um, and lucky to see him play in Sydney at a Vivid festival in like 2011 or 12, which was so sick. It was like the first time he'd got on a plane in decades because he had a fear of flying. And he, you know, Steve Pabs, who ran Modular Records, brought him out. And wow. Yeah, he played at the Opera House Bar and it was sick. So that was special. That was around the time I was listening to that mix too. Mm. So yeah, Daniele Baldelli, Zanzibar mix, I have to say. Um, there's so many mixes these days. I've got to catch up. Like I screenshot, anytime I see someone post like a mix, I'll screenshot it. So my camera roll is just screenshots of mixes and releases that I haven't got around to listening to. I think... I don't know, personally, I think mixes are tough to listen to. I can do like a boiler room or a live sort of watch of a set. There's something else that, yeah. but just like it, I listen to mixes when I want to work. And if someone gets a bit too turbo, I'm like, oh, next. <laughs> Sorry. Like, it hurts yeah. my ears. I can't focus while I'm working to, you know. Yeah, it's funny trying to find the time to listen to them as well. Like, yeah. 
I don't know a lot like my friends who do graphic design or work retail or have the time to put it on in the background. I yeah. envy that a lot because yeah, I can't do that at, at my job, unfortunately. And when I get home, I want to work on my own music. So yeah. I can't listen to other music. <laughs> um, yeah. And finally, the final question, the most awkward question I think of all. <laughs> um, oh dear. Nick nominates someone to come on who who needs their story told, et cetera. So. Oh, I'd like to hear River Yarra's side to um, the Gnome Knowledge release and the nature in Australian music, Australian electronic music. Yeah, I, I needed him here for that that part of our chat. So I nominate him. I feel like we could have a, like a two and a half hour conversation on on nature, <laughs> not even yeah. touch music, yeah. just talk about yeah. frogs and scaly things. Yeah, we should do a three-way Zoom. Maybe episode 21, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. Just a round table. Perfect. Parry Talks, episode 20. Um, also as well, next time there's a pelvis party in Sydney, if you've listened this far and you find me at that pelvis party and you quote this interview or say something about Parry Talks, I'll buy you two drinks. That's yeah, the discount code. <laughs> the discount code, <laughs> Parry Talks. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Been sick.